independent filmmaking is most always a struggle. And that's the thing we're going to look into with this podcast called The Independent Filmmaker. We are interviewing people of all experiences and what it took to get their films made. I'm your host, Gary Duffy, an independent filmmaker from Modesto, California. And welcome to The Independent Filmmaker. Today I'm with Wes Merlot. He is one of the co-creators and independent filmmaker of Thinking Art Entertainment. This is from their website, Thinking Art Entertainment. We are Thinking Art, are dedicated to creating high-quality short films on a super affordable budget. We'll show you how we made those short films and how you can do it too through our behind-the-scene or behind-the-short series that gives you an in-depth look at the challenges and obstacles we had to overcome to make our films. We also show you how you can recreate some of the effects used in our films through in-depth filmmaking tutorials. More recently, we've started a brand new series called Gear Review, where we review the pros and cons of no to low budget filmmaking gear. I just think that's cool, dude. Um, <laughs> Thank you. No, I, I've, yeah. Um, so let's Thanks go so much start. for having me this morning. Oh, thank you for coming on. Jeez. You know, uh, I, I have been binge watching your films. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I, and I shared a few of them with my friends. And um, yeah, dude, we all agree that like you're really good at this. Like really good at this. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll get into like some of your past projects and current projects. But let's go ahead and start from the beginning with you and what put you on the path of filmmaking? Yeah. So I kind of always knew I wanted to do something with filmmaking, you know, ever since uh, I was a little kid, um, me and my best friend, Andrew, who is the other um, co-founder of thinking art when we were kids, like eight, 10 years old, um, we never had access to any kind of film equipment whatsoever. You know, I wouldn't say that we grew up poor, but we didn't grow up with money. So having cameras and filmmaking gear and stuff like that was just, you know, it, it wasn't in the realm of possibility. So a bunch of kids from the town and I, we would all run around and recreate like action movies and stuff. Uh, and that was kind of our first big introduction into um, making movies. So, so when you and, guys were doing that though, I mean, cause that sounds uh -huh. like, that sounds like fun. And, <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah. Oh dude. And, and so like, you're just like going around in, in your city, you know, having fun. And so what were you guys recording on back then? I mean, was this back in the VHS days or, or, or are you young enough to have a cell phone when you were younger? 
So we had no cameras, no filmmaking gear whatsoever. It was just us and our imaginations making movies. No kidding. Um, in our heads. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there wasn't any video at all in this. You guys were just No. Fun. Yep. Oh, exactly. Cool. That was our first introduction to filmmaking is like making little movies, just like acting them out, not being recorded. LARP, LARP filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so from there, uh, uh, you said you hadn't touched a camera until you actually went to college. Correct. Yep. Wow, dude. Okay. So, so tell me about that experience. Um, well, I just kind of, you know, whenever I got into college, most of my classes were, um, really geared towards the theory of filmmaking rather than actually putting things into practice. But I did have a couple of uh, classes where, you know, you did pick up the camera and you did kind of learn about, you know, what a camera does, like the, the exposure triangle and stuff like that. But it wasn't until really after college that I really, really, really started to teach myself, um, uh, basically how to use cameras and lighting and all of that stuff. So you, you are basically self-taught is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. So I have watched a lot of your content over the last few days and, and you, you, you're doing great, man. Like, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like I shared some of your material with a few of my friends and I was like, check out this dude's frame rate, like um, stock, for instance. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a part where you're going over the cornfield and to me it looked like to get so much detail that your frame rate was super fast but the way you stitched it together it just like it just flowed right it looked so mm -hmm. natural and i don't know if i'm Thank correct you. on that but just from from a from my perspective it looked like a higher frame rate um, I, if it was a drone shot over the cornfield i think it was just the standard you know 2398 wow yeah. wow it was beautifully clear. There was no blurring. There was no nothing. That, Thanks. What What was your drone filming in? Was it like 4K or 6K? Um. So that was. It was a very high end drone. Um. I'm I'm pretty sure it only shoots a 4K, but it shoots 4K like ProRes HQ. So yeah. it's a very high codec. Um, drone. I, that was the DJI Inspiron. I think is what it's called uh two so it's like in close to like a ten thousand dollar drone yeah it came through man <laughs> it was <beautiful. laughs> yeah it was beautiful so you you've, you've you're learning how to use all this equipment and all of this what was your first uh project that you could recollect working on with your own equipment um or equipment or, or or whatever path you chose so the first project um, that we kind of took on, um, Thinking Art, it's me and my co-founder, Andrew Glessner, who was also one of my friends running around, you know, recreating these movies <laughs> as a kid. Um, he kind of, we kind of sat down and, you know, we said that, you know, this is what we want to do with our lives. And we founded Thinking Art and we kind of, co-wrote a story for a feature together and that was basically our film school it was um 
going out and just making something and learning as much as we could. And a lot of what we learned was how not to do things. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> that information is as valuable as like how to do things. And yes. so, um, you know, our first feature film was a film called Blind Circumstance, which was a fucking two hour feature film that nobody's ever going to see ever. <laughs> okay. So um, this, this is hidden from the public, right? This is not, no one's going to see it for a reason then. Correct. I, I think, <laughs> I think there might be like a trailer or something on our YouTube channel. I can't verify that. Um, just as kind of like a, um, <laughs> just kind of like a showcase from like where we started versus like where we are now, but it's, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It makes me want to watch it, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> I can send you a private link if you want to waste two hours. <laughs> I would love to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, in, what, we what do you really your, what do you think your biggest downfalls on that on that project was because i know it was just, a learning experience so i mean just having no experience whatsoever um you know we were completely green um we thought like hey anybody like we can make a movie <laughs> it's like i've been there no you have to have experience to make a movie like um uh so many issues sound was a big one like uh, i think the the entire movie was 80 yards um oh. there's it just does not look very professional like i was still learning how to light things back then um yeah it's just not good <laughs> yeah uh, my first film this, this sounds very very familiar to my first film and uh my my next feature was tremendously better because it is a learning experience um yep the focal lengths on lenses and stuff. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, I, yeah. it wasn't until like towards the end of the film that I was like, Oh, this is looking pretty good now. And, and uh, you know, mm -hmm. audio was getting better and, and lighting was getting better. The grain was getting taken away because it's a learning experience. And, <clears throat> yep. and unless you're doing it, I don't know how else you can learn. It's almost yeah. like you got to throw some money down just to have your own failure so your next one, you can succeed. Not saying my last project was a failure. I think it's a fun film, but it's definitely not the quality that I have now. <laughs> right. And, and even it, like yeah. looking back on that film, like knowing like the scenes we shot at the beginning of the process versus the scenes we shot at the end, the end of the film like turned out a lot better than the scenes we shot at the beginning of the process. But overall, it's just a, a mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i would very much like to see it man um <laughs> i'll send you a link <laughs> okay thanks <laughs> i'll watch it tonight um it is two hours long it's super it's way too long i'll make my girlfriend watch <laughs> an it amateur me. film oh uh, gosh I did don't do exact, that <laughs> i did the exact opposite with my first film i thought oh man i've got all this footage we've got to be like almost like an hour and a half in and then you uh -huh. start cutting it down and you start editing and you start adding the effects and you start you know, really trimming it to how it's supposed to look. And the next thing you know, I'm like, I only have 30 minutes. And so then I'm calling <laughs> the guys up and like, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? We, you know, we need more, we need more footage. And it was in the middle of COVID, uh, you know, so we're on lockdown. And so there was a lot of people I was having to like superimpose into rooms that weren't even there. Uh, mm -hmm. because I didn't want to mix everyone together because we all thought we were going to actually absolutely die at the time. 
And, yeah. and, and then at the same time, writing like new scenes that weren't even supposed to be in the film. It was a mess, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you made this first film. Nobody's ever going to see it except lucky people like me. And the next thing you do is you have this experience. Do you upgrade your equipment? Are you still using the same equipment? What what brought you on to the next project? So our <laughs> this is how naive we were whenever we first started filmmaking. <laughs> We were, so we finished our first feature film that was utter trash. And we were like, oh, well, what can we do next? So we decided to make another feature film that was just an upgraded trash. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we, I think we raised like, I want to say maybe like $2,000 to um, make this next movie. It was called Binge. Um, and I, I know for a fact that there are, uh, I think at least the trailer is available on our YouTube channel for that one. Um, but this one was a psychological thriller and it was kind of a, a story that I really wanted to tell at the time. Um, and <laughs> so we re- we did the Kickstarter and we bought a uh, Canon 60D and one lens to um make bench you get get like a 35 or a 50 or it was a 50 millimeter so the entire movie is shot on the canon 60d with a 50 millimeter lens that was a good camera though back in the day man you know it yeah and especially whenever you had light the the images looked pretty solid um it's just like uh something that i've learned over the years is whenever you're trying to like film video and stuff on like a little dslr where the screen is like an inch big it's like it's so tricky and especially on like the 60d because there's not focus peaking or anything like that it's hard to tell if your image is like tack sharp so that they're so we made this feature film and there's scenes that are just like ever so slightly out of focus the entire time. Yeah, um, I know how that is. I, I'm still working with with that. I have a, a Sony a <laughs> 6300 and, you know, it's mm-hmm. got a little postage stamp screen. And so I had bought an external monitor and it came with two batteries. So I'm thinking, oh, okay. Okay, hey, you know, when one's cooked, when one's on cook, I'll run the other battery and everything. No, it doesn't work like that, man. Like you need like four batteries to continue using that monitor as the battery yeah. rotating out of the charger. And so there was times on set with this last film I made that I just had the little postage stamp and you know what? It suffered. And it's just mm-hmm. one of those things that you learn because I'm watching it back on this uh, 40 inch TV that I use as a monitor. And I'm like, Oh damn. And it's not, it's not that it's horrible, horrible. Right. But people like you and I were going to notice this. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, sorry. Continue. Uh, um, so you guys were using a little postage stamp uh, monitor and it was, you're not getting the shots as the clarity that you want. Yeah. And again, um, you know, this was something that we made. It was basically like for the majority of the the movie, it was um, me behind the camera um, and Andrew, my co-founder of Thinking Art, who was acting in the movie and also producing it. Um and that was a lot of it. We were lucky if we had a sound guy. So a lot of times, like I would put the lights up and then put the sound kind of in a position, and that's how we would shoot our scenes. Um, so well, again, a two thousand dollar budget isn't much. So I mean, part of that budget did it go to the lens? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, I can't remember. 
what all together it cost, but I think it was either like a thousand or fifteen hundred just for the camera and the lens back right. then. So, right. so um, and then the rest like too. went to food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So this was stuff that we did where you know it was just you know, friends just like wanting to like kind of make something, you know, and we were all on the same page. Like we, nobody was doing this for money. We did it in our free time, like whenever we weren't working and it was kind of stretched over like a year. <laughs> yes. Because filming in your free time, that's the challenge all into itself because everybody has to be there at the same time. Yep. Ooh. And so it took a year to make this and, mm -hmm. and you didn't show anybody this one either uh no um <laughs> I'm, teasing, I'm teasing you but <laughs> no i mean this one at least went to some film festivals unlike the first one the first one i we submitted the one and i and that's when i was like i i can't like no one deserves to like sit through this <laughs> oh man the second one at least had some things you know i was proud of at the time um but it, overall it was just still not up to the quality that you know i wanted out of um work that i do you know yeah i in kind of and this is kind of like the biggest thing i tell beginner filmmakers because i suffered from the same problem is when you're a beginner you have like this huge imagination of like what you want these shots to be and stuff right but you don't have the experience or knowledge of how to pull that off and a lot of like trying there's a lot of trial and error and it's mostly error so you're just wasting a lot of time trying things that just aren't going to work because you don't have that experience yet yeah i've had a few of uh practical effects where i was like oh i'll just do this and this and this and you're like oh that didn't mm -hmm. work and so the next thing you know you've wasted about two hours brainstorming with the cast until you finally get the effect right yeah and, uh, yeah if you don't know you don't know uh, you may think yeah you know, sometimes you just don't and so with our film binge um I kind of I kind of knew a lot of the stuff where I was a little overly ambitious with the, the blind circumstance. So I really tried to focus on the things I learned and tried to do those things better. And the movie did turn out better because of, you know, having that experience and knowledge now. But, you know, it still had just had the issues of, you know, low budget and experienced filmmaking, um, which was mostly audio related. Um, I, again, I think 90% of the movie was 80 yards. So you're watching these scenes and lips aren't matching and stuff. And um, shots are out of focus here and there. And, but you know, it, it kind of, if you watch like that movie in comparison to my style now, there's still things that are, you know, like kind of got their start back then on like how I, create my filmmaking voice so your signatures on this uh in a way in some in, in some shots yeah no that's heck of cool it's sometimes someone's style is is what speaks for them um mm -hmm. so from there you, you guys made this you sent it to a, a few film festivals and then obviously you're serious about doing this and mm -hmm. you've done a second feature a lot of time a lot of money a lot of headaches you're moving into what next? 
So that's kind of about the time where uh, Andrew and I kind of just sat down and said, you know, we've wasted over two years of our lives on these features that aren't going anywhere. And I feel like obviously you can see the progress from day one of our first feature uh, up until the last day of our second feature. But we just didn't see progress fast enough. So we wanted to get better and we wanted to get better faster. And that's when I said we should turn our attention to making short films. And that kind of started, we did a short film called um, Dilemma, which was about a thief that breaks into um, a, a house where no one's home. And then the wife and the husband get home and the thief's kind of like running around trying to evade them. And then uh, a creep like breaks into their house and the thief is uh, tasked with this dilemma of whether he should help the couple or, you know, just evade (laughs) being caught. But, uh, and that was kind of our first short film. And then um, after that, we made a short film called Marble Town, which was a domestic abuse drama. And that one actually picked up a little bit of an audience on YouTube with, I think, like close to 1.8 million views. Nice. Yeah. So that was kind of our first foray into. I, I don't want to say success, but, you know, having at least like a film that was viewed by an audience. That means people are talking. And uh, yes. And if you're not marketing that short film, then no, you did a good job, man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I'm actually, I mean, obviously seeing where we're at now and seeing that movie, there's still things that, you know, look a tad amateurish, but it was the most polished film we had done to date. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your credits are very long. <laughs> you know, I, I stalked your IMBD and, and Thanks. Uh, so I feel like we're about to enter territory that might feel daunting when I ask you, okay, so what'd you do next? What'd you do next? And yeah, I guess certainly, uh... we could certainly do that if you want, but I think we should probably focus more on like your high and your low points as we. Yeah. I mean, I think into... that can kind of. I, I think that can kind of intertwine a lot of yeah. uh, my filmography and stuff. And I won't go into too much um, detail about that. Um, so you're moving ahead. You're making shorts as you're making these shorts. So to, just to give us a timeline here, when you were making your first short, it was the year what? I think our first short film we filmed in 20, it was either 2014 or 2015. Okay. Um, holy crap. I can't believe that how long ago <laughs> that is now. It's insane. So from 2014, 2013, as we go into 2023, your equipment, I would assume, is is probably like progressing. Yeah. So our um we shot a dilemma on I think a Canon C one hundred. And okay. then um Marble Town, we shot on a Canon 5D Mark III, but we used the um magic lantern hack i don't know if you're familiar with that yes 
Yes, yeah, mean. so we were able to shoot 1080 raw and get like much better looking images than you know the compressed 1080 that the the Canon uh, natively shot back then. Oh, cool! And um, so Marble Town was our first uh, short film where we had an audio guy and not just like passing the the microphone to my girlfriend or friend. Um, to just like hold the boom mic, you know? Yeah, you, you guys actually had a, a designated person. I haven't yeah. done that yet. I, I'm still, a, a, you know, a small group show here, you know, when we make something. So my audio, yeah. my audio isn't the best. It's not horrible by any means, but uh, it, it's, it could be better. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, once you get to the level where you can hire a sound guy, it makes a world of difference because your movie is just going to sound like full right like it's supposed to sound yeah yeah um so let's see so you're making all these shorts so it sounded like you're starting to gear yourself up to go into film festivals am i correct yeah so marble town we also submitted to a bunch of film festivals um and i kind of i have a love-hate relationship with film festivals um i really like going to them especially whenever there's an audience to uh watch your film with but i've had so many bad experiences traveling like far distances to film festivals where it was literally me my wife and andrew in the in, in the theater and maybe one to two other people if we were lucky oh no yeah so we showed on like on a big screen. Yeah, I mean we had um yeah, well there's that. Uh, yeah, we had some fun experiences where um you know we got to see like Marble Town showed and I think like a big AMC theater, but again it was the same thing where uh me and my wife went and then um there was like three other people in the showing. Oh. Yeah, that that sucks. That's a long distance to travel for for a few folks. <laughs> yep. So I kind of started thinking about film festivals a little bit differently, where um, I was mainly concerned about submitting to film festivals for only local stuff where I could meet people that I could actually work with, because it was just a waste of money to travel to like, I, we went to North Carolina for a film festival, we went to Ohio, um, and both those just like nobody was there oh man yeah that's a lot of money your hotel room and gas unless the submission fees and stuff yep oh i didn't even think about the submission fees yeah you, mm -hmm. you basically paid to watch your own work on the on the big screen yep exactly dang yeah you could have done that at home man yeah <laughs> you know I, I get your frustration i totally do um, yeah, so I think like, and I think this is kind of good advice for a lot of um, filmmakers that are starting out, like, especially if you don't really have the monetary means to be traveling and you're, you know, you're still like uh, kind of growing as not only a filmmaker, but as a person, uh, just submit to local film festivals. It, it, you know, if you have local film festivals where you can actually meet other actors and filmmakers that you can potentially work with like it's all about networking and i would just say skip uh traveling 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, the bigger, more well-known fest festivals, you know, that's different. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole different story. Like if you, if you make a movie that can get into Sundance and stuff like that, then, you know, fucking go to them. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. So but going to like, uh, the, the one film fest i shouldn't name drop a film festival i'm not gonna do that <laughs> yeah you know i'm sure they were heartbroken too you know they're, they're absolutely to, they're yeah because they put cool a lot of time and, and money into it yep oh yeah i think everybody lost out on that including yourself it's just it yeah. is what it is uh, it is what it is yep unfortunately they tried to make something and it it just didn't happen and i think yep. we've all been there and, you know oh, for well. sure um So currently, I mean, the films you have now are really good. And I'm just going to say, Stocked, I watched twice. My girlfriend has watched awesome. it, and her child has watched it, because we're just like, whoa, this is really great. And, <laughs> and uh, you have many uh, film festival um, awards on, on the, the poster of this of this film uh -huh. should we just go ahead and get into stocked i think i mean because i was trying to like do a timeline progression but i think we all know that your equipment's getting better you you are networking with other individuals in, in your local area you you've, you're building up a team you mm -hmm. probably have some of those people that you you know constantly rely on because they're always there yep and at this point in time you guys are getting good <laughs> yeah we're we've gotten a lot better <laughs> yeah i would say very good and <laughs> thank you you know we don't have to talk about stocked yet but but there was it, it just seemed like when i was watching your films there was there was a springboard at some point and I, I don't know what happened but it went from good to great and was there ever a point in time where everything just started clicking like this is the equipment I want. This is the sound guy I want. This is the actors and actresses I want because I noticed there's a few actresses. There was one actress who was like in your in like I think two or three of your films. Um, yeah, I we I I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sometimes I just ramble. <laughs> You're fine. Um, yeah. So um, along the years, you know, it's it's whenever you meet people that like you said like show up and just like do well it's like you just want to keep um working with that same group of people and especially as you uh develop that rapport and everybody kind of just develops like a shorthand um where you don't really have to go into like as much detail about the adjustments like you want them to make for like um so uh, michael mowen was one of the first actors that i worked with um multiple times outside of andrew um and he was the star of marble town and uh killer be killed um and it, w it was nice working with like good actors that you know you just had that shorthand where you didn't have to waste a lot of time trying to talk through adjustments and stuff. Um, and similarly, um, you develop a rapport with your crew as well. So you can, uh, you know, you don't have to, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of struggle with my words sometimes. Um, okay. so like now the, the get, like I'm a cinematographer and, um, the gaffer that I work with a lot, um, I can just kind of like 
motion my hands rather than like try to spout words off and he knows exactly like what to do with the light <laughs> I see. see that that kind of relationship is is absolutely valuable <laughs> yeah yeah because otherwise i like say i like twist words half the time and or it just doesn't make sense yeah no i do that when i'm i'm directing and and i'll a lot of times i'll be thinking about 10 different things right exactly and your so brain is going actor, i'm like grab the thing and like they don't know what the hell that is <laughs> yeah what thing i'm like oh uh, yep. that blue object there yeah that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know uh, yeah no i i'm horrible at, at twisting my words um <laughs> so a lot of your practical effects are absolutely mm -hmm. spot on i was watching um i believe i'm gonna i'm gonna ruin this title but was it called trick or treat yes okay good and there is a part where this is a number one where your your bad guy cuts this person's throat open yep and that looked real there was yeah. i couldn't see any tubes i couldn't see any prosthetic even the blood spatter all of that was just i was like wow uh-huh um yeah that was our makeup artist uh izzy issel i think that's how you say your last name i apologize izzy if that's not how you say your last name <laughs> um and she is uh tremendous uh such a talented um special effects uh makeup artist um but it's funny because yes you can't see any tubes but they were there um and in fact um that shot is actually a visual effect shot as well, painting out the tubes so you can't oh see them. Gosh. Yep. I had no idea. That looks yeah. so natural. Yeah. I mean, and that's an that's a credit to our visual effects team as well. Um, because they're able to just do stuff that just you can't tell as a visual effect shot. Oh no, they matched that wonderfully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They matched and tracked that and I you fooled me. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, but, you know, and that kind of leads us into another thing. A lot of things you've done, the CG work and the practical effect work and how obviously it's it's mel melding together to make a, a, a great shot. Mm -hmm. is, are, is, for the most part, all of your team self-taught? Um, I can't speak for everyone because I don't. You know, uh, we we work together a lot, but I don't know like everybody's backstories of like whether they went to school for this and yeah, yeah. Because I mean, our team has just grown um, so much since the early days. Um, Trick or Treat Two was our biggest crew to date, and I think we had sixteen crew members. Wow. Um, and you know, for people that do this, uh, you know, like do bigger budget films for a living, that number sounds super small, but for, you know, somebody that started out with, you know, me and Andrew on set trying to make a thing, you know, mm -hmm. two to 16 is a huge difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a lot that goes on with that, especially when you're, you're filming independent, you know, you're. You're feeding these people, you're clothing these people, you have props, you have uh, uh, locations, you have yeah. everything relies on you two. And yeah, and you know, it, it became 
we had gotten to the point, um, you know, year a couple years ago. I can't remember exactly when um, everybody started getting paid, but you know, everybody gets paid now. <laughs> so, oh. you know, we went from making stuff that we were just like, you know, uh, doing with friends for just like you know dinner uh, to actually paying people. Now, if you're not comfortable answering this, don't answer it. But the way you're generating revenue to start paying people, is this from prizes you've won from film festivals? Is this grants? Is this uh, crowdfunding? So um, I'm comfortable with asking or I'm comfortable I'm comfortable with answering um, this. So like nothing none of the short films we ever put out have actually made um, any money. This is this was strictly like passion projects. And um, I was lucky enough to find other filmmakers that were interested in producing and putting together the budgets. So like all of our budgets are, you know, divvied out amongst multiple producers. So um, it makes it a lot easier to um, kind of, you know, oh, yeah, pay out the money you. whenever it's not all on yourself. It's, you know, divided equally amongst four or five people. Yeah. And that that's what we've done for the current film. I've, I've just finished shooting. Uh, there was six producers on that including myself mm -hmm. and you know, at the end of the day it's when you have that many people it's not that big of a burden towards Correct, the end, yeah towards the end we ran into a little bit of trouble but i was able to fix that um but even then it wasn't like horrible right uh, yeah so no i totally i think there's probably a lot of us who do that is is you just start getting a team because you all believe in either that project or the that project that the that project might lead to um, right and that's like um you know the the producers that i usually work with um and put up you know part of the money for these projects it's like we're all in this together and we have the goal to you know maybe not self-fund a feature film but at least work on a feature film together so like we're all, all gaining experience and you know we're all part of this project together and it's fun and it's fun it's a lot of fun yeah i mean you're hanging out with your friends you all you all mm -hmm. are doing something that's not breaking the bank it's it's constructive and and you have something to show for your efforts and then it's right the and if if you watch our behind the scenes for like trick or treat and stuff, it's like, you see how hard everybody's working, but you also see how much fun everybody's having. Well, and it's interesting. You said that. So I have not seen this yet, but mm -hmm. on your website, you said that uh, the description says that we read at the beginning of this podcast that you could actually see behind the scene feature at, so I'm going to use that word. Um, yep. Go ahead and tell us some some about your website if if you don't mind, um, because I I think it's a really interesting website, and I'll let you go from there. Yeah, so um, on our website, thinking art entertainment dot com, um, you can find all of our short films um, that basically just link to our YouTube channel, which is Thinking Art Entertainment, and on our YouTube channel. Um, for all of our short films, we have little featurettes that kind of just dive into some of the obstacles and challenges that we faced along the way of like making the film. Um, 
and how we solved those. So it's it's kind of just a a, a fun look into the behind the scenes um, aspect of making the movie. But for me, whenever I you know made the YouTube channel and decided to start doing these um, behind the scenes featurettes. It wasn't necessarily about getting views or anything on these. It was for me, like whenever I'm directing a movie, I am like so focused and so in the zone that it's really hard for me to just appreciate the fact that I have brought in like all brought in, brought all of these people together to just create something. You know, and so it's 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 really just kind of like a time capsule piece to like look back and say like, you know, in 10 years, I can just look back and say like, oh, look where we were at in, you know, 2020 or 2015, you know, and and it's also seeing those moments that I didn't really get to appreciate on set where it's like my actors having fun between takes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you're 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 focused on something else <laughs> yep. yeah so there's a lot of like just fun stuff that you know i discover while looking back through all the behind the scenes footage well guys if you want to see what it takes behind the scenes you know he has a very good website for that and i think you all should check it out um i have a coffee cup of yours coming i just purchased it this morning oh okay i'm actually You'll have to send me a picture because I have no idea how they actually like print out. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually own the uh, coffee cup. I have oh, um, pretty much everything else on our store, but not the coffee cup. Okay. Well, good. Then when I get the coffee cup, I'll uh, send you a pic of that. Uh, yeah. Thank you. You said between December 17th and 19th. And awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to get it. I, I have a collection of coffee cups that I just, I don't know why. But I have a uh -huh. right now, drinking out of a Joe Bob Cracker Barrel coffee cup. Oh, okay. Uh, so I have this thing where, you know, I used to get a lot of coffee cups, like anytime I would go on vacation or anything. But like, I don't drink coffee at the house. Like I always just get it <laughs> from Starbucks or something. Yeah. And so I just have all these coffee cups that I just don't use. <laughs> I usually have one or two cups a day. Uh, it wires me up. Like I, I've had two cups i'm having trouble talking to you right now yeah so, i'm still <laughs> sipping on mine so <laughs> i get so jittery uh but uh anyways They're yeah good so jitters, though. They, they, guys they have a very cool uh, website for their merchandise and it's nice looking stuff it, it looks like it's well made there was a hoodie i almost i almost pulled the trigger on i was like well i have so many hoodies so and, and it's about <laughs> coffee cup i'm going to get one of those coffee cups and the prices aren't that expensive either and you know, they look like nice stuff. So, you know, if you start becoming a fan of Wes and and, uh, and his team, help this guy out, man. Buy some of his stuff because it it's for one, it's cool. And uh, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, buying and supporting um, our stuff because, like I said, like our projects really don't make money. So that's like the only one of the only ways that we kind of like offset any costs. Right. Right. Well, I, I think you're getting to a point where you're probably going to start making money, I would think, sooner or later. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we have started to make um, um, revenue through like the YouTube channel and stuff. Um, 
and, and you know it's nothing to scoff at now but it's still you know not to the point where we want to be at it's not you know we can't support anybody's living <laughs> via the youtube channel right right yeah i got a friend that i used to work with on a show called chad vader and uh they they became so successful that they haven't had a normal job since uh yeah that's amazing yeah it, yeah hmm? it's super inspiring whenever you hear stories like that it happens i i think it's yep. probably a little rare but it happens uh though even then some revenue is better than no revenue right yeah yeah uh so you're starting to win more awards and things that you, you know, I was looking at my Joe Bob cup. And so you have something that I am so jealous about. You have the coveted hubcap <laughs> award. Um, I I do have a hubby award. Yep. Dude, that is and so cool. That was for our short film stopped that yeah, it screened at the inaugural uh, mutant fest, which was uh, part of Joe Bob's, drive-in jamboree um at the mahoning drive-in and um, oh, that was the first jamboree over the mahoney lee heighton yep oh my goodness so that was actually probably one of the most surreal experiences of my entire filmmaking career because um you know everybody hears about like joe bob and has seen his stuff and everything he's kind of just like a legend especially amongst the horror community and this event like i had no idea what to expect and we pulled into this drive-in and i shit you not it was like a fucking rock concert for just little indie movies <laughs> there were so many people there and i overheard one of the um one of the uh attendants talking to um um a customer and they were asking about the attendance of the event and they said they were completely sold out which meant there was close to 1000 people in attendance gosh for just a little i mean i would i shouldn't say little for just an event that was geared towards celebrating low budget independent filmmaking yeah yeah and, and then from the pictures, it looked like people were sleeping like on the ground. Yeah, it was insane. It was crazy how many people were there. Wow, mutant stock, man. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, so we got to see stocked up on this gigantic um drive-in theater screen. I think that the the Mahoning has the largest drive-in screen on the East Coast. I could that's be wrong he, on that, but I think I wonder if that's why he chose that one. Maybe it's possible. Um, and then right after the um screening, well, wait, 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 wait. to go so, up. Oh, go ahead. But you were there, right? I mean, you're watching yes, others yep. watch your film. Yep. What what was that experience like? So it's a little weird at a drive-in, right? Because there's people sitting outside their cars and then there's people sitting inside their cars. So you can't really tell. And then we're talking about a gigantic field, right? Filled with cars. So it's like really hard to get a, 
it's really hard to gauge like the reaction of the audience because it's like so massive. Um, but whenever, so I had to, whenever my film was showing up on the screen, I had to walk up to the stage to get ready to accept the, um, hobby award and have like a little talk with Joe Bob on the big screen, on the big like stage they had up set up up at the front of the theater. Uh And I lost my train of thought for a second. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So the stage. Yeah. So you, you can't, you, you don't have a grasp of how the audience really, um, reacted to the film and as i'm walking up i'm kind of trying to look and see if people are enjoying it if they're scared if they're laughing where they're supposed to um but it's a huge field and i was standing up there uh getting ready to go up on the stage and as the film ended like i i was just like so nervous about like getting ready to go up on front in front of like a thousand people and then, like, I, I have no idea if they liked the film, if they fucking hated it. Oh, that had to be nervous. And, <laughs> and then, like, everybody just started, like, honking their horns and flashing their lights whenever <laughs> the film ended. And it was crazy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you had to feel like a rock starts at that point. Oh. It, was, it was seriously one of the most surreal experiences of my life. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. How cool is that, dude? Well, that film absolutely deserves every award it's gotten. Uh, Thank like you. I said, it I watched a... it twice. Um, and, it was a fun are... one to make. It was a fun one to make? Yeah. Well, it seemed like, I mean, really, what? let's just go ahead and, and pick this apart a little bit. There, mm-hmm. you have so much great story in this short film and it you know it's not that short by any means it, it's a longer short and i think it's 21 minutes right right i mean that's some good content you throw some commercials mm-hmm. in there, you got a half hour show and, <laughs> yeah but if you really look at what you are using to tell the story you have a cornfield you mm-hmm. have a scarecrow you have a barn and a house mm-hmm what else is there that 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 is there's not much to this but you've used right. those tools in a way to tear to tell a very terrifying story and i'm watching this i'm like okay i can see how this could be low budget and blah blah, blah. and then there's the end of that film where you rise above the cornfield and you're going above the corn stalks and you see holy shit there is many people tied up like scarecrows and that shot blew me away how in the hell did you do that was that all cg (laughs) that that shot is entirely uh well not entirely but yeah it's a cgi shot um looked and it was we basically just did a uh a flyover with the drone um as our blank plate and then our visual effects artist uh, rob kakanya who was also the screenwriter of the short film um he he recreated so much fake corn and then put all of the bodies in the cornfield as well and then if you look beyond the bodies and the cornfield there is the entire town that they're talking about behind the cornfield that he also put into the movie 
No. So in reality, in the actual blank plate, there is just road behind that cornfield. So he, you know, painted out the road and put all the buildings in and then tons of more trees and stuff. He nailed that because yeah. he's following the shot of the drone camera and yep. it looks like everything is supposed to be where it is. Even the lighting, the color, the whole thing. Yeah, it's an insanely great shot, and I'm super proud of him for that shot. It's it's I, one of my favorite things that we've done to date was that ending shot. And I he worked on that shot so long that he knew exactly how many frames it was to a T. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah. Oh jeez! Uh, so this this film stocked. How many awards do you think this thing has made so far or earned? Oh, I don't even know <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, I don't really count, you know, awards or laurels or anymore. You know, whenever wow. we were starting out, it was like cool. But um, to me, it's just about getting your work seen by an audience, and that's the real win. Um, because like everybody making a movie is great. And that, you know, that's the first biggest obstacle and the first biggest win. Right. Yeah. But then actually getting that movie seen by people is the next biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the fact absolutely. that so many, every one of the uh, festivals that we've been at for stocked has been a mostly packed theater, which is like blown me away because like, as I said before, most of the film festivals that I had attended, you know, early on in my filmmaking career, there was just nobody there. And so actually going to, to film festivals and having the theater be like mostly packed to see your movie, it's, it's such a great experience and such a great feeling. But it's also nerve-wracking, too, because now you're, like, thinking, like, are they going to like it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you might hit that one audience who just has the mentality of, oh, that was all right. Yeah, Even though, like, three <laughs> yeah. or four audiences before that have all liked it. Yeah. I don't know. Weird things happen sometimes. Uh, Hopefully that never happens. <laughs> we've gotten super lucky with, you know, the screenings for stock that everybody has just – they've reacted exactly how I wanted them to react. Um, you know, they've jumped at all the jump scares. They laughed at all the dumb jokes and, um, you know, they even let auto in like out audible, like woes and gasps and stuff at the right moments. So I'm really, 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 really happy with, um, our team in that movie. Um, and, and in fact, um, this is something I've talked about on other podcasts and kind of on our own channel a little bit. Um, but so the, the way stocked came about was uh, a couple of years ago, I really decided that I wanted to focus more on creating horror short films and trying to kind of like build up my horror um, career as a filmmaker. Uh -huh. And the way I started that was I created a, um, series called short scares and it was a thing we did annually for halloween and um this i think was original stock was originally just made 
as a short film that was supposed to, supposed to be part of short scares. I want to say four. Um, but because of the visual effects shots being so intensive and time consuming, we weren't able to release it for, um, uh, short scares as we initially planned. Um, and that's kind of where you know, I never saw stocked as a film festival film, but because, um, it wasn't released, um, as part of short scares as we initially intended, that's when I decided to uh, start submitting at the film festivals, which you know kind of worked out for our team. Oh, but yeah. also in in that kind of downtime, I really started to think about the script that Rob wrote for this short film, and I really saw that this could be used as a proof of concept for a bigger more in-depth feature film so um together rob and i wrote the story and the script for a much longer uh more detailed feature film uh expansion of the short film oh i hope you guys um, are able to make that because i thank think, you i think you've got something there man that that scarecrow was scary thanks <laughs> yeah um so you know it's written we were we originally wanted to film it last September, but unfortunately the funding that's needed to make something of, you know, this caliber where, you know, it's not like those little film, those little feature films where we were just making it with, you know, me and Andrew, this is a full scale production with people that do this for a living. So it's going to cost money. Mm -hmm. um, and we weren't able to get that funding together uh, last year. Um, but you know, I still, I'm still keeping my hopes up because it's a, it's a project that I'm really passionate about and it's a story I want to tell. So but I'm I not think, going to just abandon it. I think that short would speak for itself. I mean, this shows what you guys can do and, and you get that in front of the right person and somebody's going to back you. They, I don't you. see how they couldn't back you. I, that's a good film, man. Eh, it's you hard to find great. the right people. Um, unfortunately I was part of a lot of meetings where, um, I would start my pitch and the people that I was pitching to would pretty much just interrupt me and tell me why it was a bad investment and bad investment for them and not really care at all what I had to say, which is kind of an unfortunate wow. experience. So but exactly. I kind of was like, well, if you already knew that you didn't want to invest in this movie, then why are we wasting each other's time? Yes. Uh, uh, but you know, that's kind of just the nature of the business and it, it's an experience and, um, don't for anybody listening that is an aspiring filmmaker, don't let that get you down because we had the, um, we had the plan to make the feature in September of last year and it didn't happen. Um, and to me, I considered that a failure, but in that failure, we turned around and produced Trick or Treat 2, which was our most expensive film to date and probably one of our best looking films to date. Yeah, that was a pretty, that was shot and it, it's very pretty. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, and that was a very large cast and crew. That was the one where you had about 16 folks on board just, just working on the project, correct? Yep, correct. Yeah, yep. And, and did that include the the cast that we saw in the film or was that... Completely no, separate. that was a dish, like separate. Yep. 
Yeah. So in total, I think there was like 20 to 21 um, people on set for the entire, I mean, stock was a big cast and crew too, but I don't think we might've had more people on one day than the other. Um, But stock, I mean, a trick or treat too was like consistent 16 people each day. Yeah. That was a, that was a, if you guys are out there, listen or watch this guy's stuff. It's great. Um, I read a lot. I appreciate a lot. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. I read, it's true. I read a lot, a lot of books. Uh-huh. Most of them have to do with independent filmmaking. And some of the tactics that people have used in the past to get their feature funded, and maybe mm-hmm. you're already doing this, right? You, you, you very well could be doing this. And I'm not telling you this is the answer. I'm just saying this is what people have done in the past. And they go to people who aren't even like, in the filmmaking world they're like a doctor mm-hmm. or or a dentist or you know these are just like folks and they start talking hey we want to do this and and next thing you know they're like okay you know what i'll throw down 20 grand on that and mm-hmm. let's come up with a contract and blah, blah 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 and then you get his friend who's also a doctor because this is all about ne- networking and the next thing you know dr bob is throwing down 10 grand and and eventually you know you, you get this revenue together and you go from there. Um, I don't know. That's just some things that I've seen or read in the past about how people have made their projects. Uh, Absolutely. And that kind of gets into, I don't know if we should really dive into this uh, full steam ahead or not, but um, a lot of the way like film investment works is like, there is rarely ever just like one big investor. Um, yeah. If you're lucky enough to get one person to fund the whole thing, that's awesome and huge. But the way it's usually works is you sell points and like a point can be like $5,000 or $10,000, $25,000. Like it's completely up to the producers to put together like what a point means and how that translates into real dollars. But that's how usually um films are funded and um their back end uh profits are kind of distri- distributed well then you're already away you're already way ahead of me dude you you know exactly what you're doing <laughs> I just, well I, it, it was mainly because you know we were trying to do this with uh stocked and we were fortunate enough to find you know several people that were interested in investing in the film but at a smaller investment and so we were able to raise well, I should say we were able to generate interest in funding X amount of dollars, but we were not able to uh, raise the amount needed to go into production. Yeah, and you never go in halfway either, man. You, you just got to no, you, you can't. Like, there's just you know, if you go in a third of the way or half of the way or whatever, you risk one. Um, mutiny (laughs) because like at 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 a certain point you're just doing the film and your cast and crew a disservice because you're probably going to be working like way over legal limits of like what's allowed for like film crews to work um and they're probably not getting overtime and stuff like that and you're just going to wear your cast and crew and the people that are interested in helping you out um and, you know, that's not to say that that, um, you know, filmmaking isn't, you know, a tiresome thing, because I've been on many sets where everybody worked like 16 hours and we're super proud of the thing that 
the end product that came about, but it's just not something that you want to do consistently. And to already be at a, um, a disadvantage where you know you need X amount of dollars to make the film, but you try to do it for like half mm. of that number, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're not only doing your cast and crew a disservice, but you're doing your, ser- your, your story and your film a disservice too. Absolutely. And we and didn't want to do that. And yourself, because we, at the end of the day, you are your product. Exactly. And if you're going to produce crap half-assed, then people aren't going to. Exactly. Know, everything. And you know, I know the story that I want to tell with the stock feature. I know how it unfolds and everything. And, you know, I, I was, I'm pretty confident that I could, could have put together the movie for, um, a third of the budget that we were trying to raise, but I don't think that movie would have been nearly as good. No. And you're putting a lot on yourself too, in that regard, because this is, this is basically your, this is going to be your baby at that point. Yeah. and yeah, dude, don't don't stress yourself out. You need to be focusing on the movie, not do I have the budget money to complete this? Yep. So somebody out there with like a lot of money, uh, talk to Wes <laughs> and give him your money. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so from there, uh, what are you, can you talk about things that you're working on now? What is the future outlook for you and your, and your uh, company? So, yeah, um, I'm really, really, really trying to get out of the short film game and really drive my filmmaking, uh, feature filmmaking career. Um, So, you know, I'm really trying to find the funding for Stocked, but we're also currently exploring some options to do maybe a trick or treat feature since we already have that. Um, audience kind of built in with uh, Trick or Treat being such kind of like a large YouTube success for us. Um, So we're exploring our options kind of both ways. I'm going to try to just see which one's the most realistic avenue to actually just getting the thing funded and made, you know, because it's one thing to just make a short film but it's a completely different ball game when you're talking about finding funding for a feature film and not just funding the thing yourself yeah yeah absolutely and you know we're talking like if if there are people listening that you know can afford to put up like 50,000 or 100,000 or 150,000 dollars for a feature film themselves then like (laughs) congratulations like kudos to you but you know i'm not in that uh i'm not financially capable of doing that unfortunately i'm i'm with you in the same boat my i should have started with shorts uh a friend of mine said who's you know been a filmmaker for a while he said you know you might want to start with shorts first of all i was like no we're just going we're just going to make this movie i mean (laughs) <laughs> me and andrew we made the same mistake you know 10 years ago we what? we were naive we knew we wanted to make movies and just didn't really yeah it was to about... our credit we never thought short films were we just never thought about them to us storytelling and filmmaking was always feature length I, i'm getting to the point in 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 
I don't know if I should call it a career, but I mean, this is just a, a, an extreme passion for me that I'm looking at shorts more and more because I see myself, well, I could have put this much money into a full length film and not make any money on that. Or I could take yep. this much mo- the same amount of money into a short film and make it really, really good and still not make any money yep. on it and be super proud of it. And yeah. that's where I'm like heading right now. Um, I'm so kind now, but oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, no, I was just rambling again, dude. It's it's cool. This is about <laughs> I was you. going to I was gonna piggyback off of that where that was kind of my um reasoning behind not really wanting to do short films anymore is because like so trick or treat two cost probably four four to five times as much as trick or treat one did. Um and you know that was because uh, we were trying to go bigger and better to kind of, uh, you know, just make something that was <laughs> bigger and better. Um, well, let me ask you about bigger and better too, because mm-hmm. you had this beautiful home. Was that a friend mm-hmm. of yours? Or was it somebody you knew? Was it something you had to rent? So uh, both uh, trick or treats were uh, relatives of one of our producers. So it was their homes. Nice. There you go. And, and mm-hmm. so they just let you use that for free. So that I would assume. And so yep. that helped. Uh, that does help. But then we're talking about paying, you know, 16 crew members uh-huh. uh, a day rate, which still to their credit um, gave us huge favors and discounts and, you know, worked at a fraction of what they deserve to be paid. But it still adds up when you're talking about paying, you know, 16 people over the course of two to three days. Oh, yeah. And that was going to be my next question. How long did it take to film? But yeah, two to three days. Uh, did you guys go home in the during the day or did you guys just all like crash out on the floor? Uh, no, everybody went home. Okay. <laughs> uh, so like some people had hour commutes, hour and a half commutes. Um, and then for trick or treat two, our low, our second low. So the way we filmed trick or treat two was everything that you saw in the house or outside of the house was filmed at, the house location but then everything in the garage was filmed at an entirely different location over an hour away i would have never known (laughs) yeah so the way our schedule worked out is we filmed everything at the house on day one and then everything in the garage on day two and then um we had two more days that were without like the speaking cast and was just focused on stuff with the magician and uh then also the people that were getting slaughtered at the uh at the halloween party which was actually mostly just me getting killed in different spots that people won't notice <laughs> no i didn't notice <laughs> yeah it's actually just me <laughs> i didn't know i'm gonna have to rewatch that and pay very close attention oh. yeah i mean it's shot in a way where you can't really tell but huh. um uh, my back is to the camera and I'm the only one getting killed. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. That That's really good. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think we're going to start wrapping it up, but I'm going to ask you two more questions, but they're in the same kind of field. And I, I normally ask everyone these questions. What do you think, what is something someone might consider extreme that you have done to make a project happen? And I can give you an example if, if you wish. Yeah, maybe an example would help. Okay, so for one, uh, for my first feature film, you know, I was paying everybody, and and uh, mm-hmm. and 
I didn't have enough money to live on. And so it was either eat out of dumpsters and make my film, or it was don't make the film. So I chose to eat mm-hmm. out of dumpsters. So that was an extreme thing that I had done. Um, another th- extreme thing I did was I uh, hawked my car to a pawn shop and I was able to find <laughs> stories like, like that. That was a horrible loan, but you know, it's all good. Everything's paid. And you know, I, I was able to get out from underneath all of that. Right. I never once mm-hmm. got sick from the dumpster. Uh, it sure as heck wasn't <laughs> the most high quality uh, nutritious food. A lot of granola uh-huh. bars, man. Um, I got to say anybody out there who are looking for dumpster food, go to the dollar store. They've got bread. <laughs> they've got anything you could possibly want. You're not going to get fresh fruits and vegetables, but you probably don't want to eat those out of a dumpster anyways. And, and, uh, I sustained like that for about three weeks and, um, for a while it was fun. Uh, but it, it quickly became not fun. And, uh, but anyways, yeah, I got the film made, right. Um, yep. this last film that we just worked on, I needed a few grand to finish it up and my rent in my apartment was going up by a hundred dollars. And I thought that's just going to hurt me even more. And because I was one of the producers on this film and the other producers ran into some issues of their, their own. And I thought I could either continue living here or I can move out in my car. So I chose to move out mm-hmm. in my car. And one thing led to another. I was only out there for like three weeks to a month. Uh, one thing led to another. And I actually ended up living at my girlfriend's house, which is where I've been ever since. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, actually that was a, it was a very pleasant experience living in my car. I, it was not a hardship. Yeah. Ever. And I highly recommend if you have a roomy car, uh, <laughs> get yourself some camping stuff and go to the nicest lake you possibly can and enjoy. It makes car. a difference whenever you live in California and you can live yes. in a car out here in Pennsylvania. It's fucking <laughs> cold. Yeah, don't don't go out in the snow, man. Uh, when you're in California, you wake up and it's like 60 degrees out. Yeah, you open up amazing. the hatch of the vehicle, you scramble some eggs and you make some cereal and some coffee and you sit out in your lounge chair and you watch the ducks fly in on the lake and you listen to a book or a podcast and you work on whatever you're working on. And life is like really freaking pleasant. And then you pack mm-hmm. up, you go to work, you work, and then you come back to the lake. That was my life. And it was great. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, it, when I was moving out, I was really scared. Like I asked my girlfriend, I said, I said, how would you feel about dating a homeless person? And she, she <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> she didn't blink, man. She helped me pack. I was like, okay. So, we put all my stuff in storage and I lived in my vehicle and uh, yeah, she didn't, she didn't leave me. And and one time mm-hmm. she went camping with me and it was shortly after she went camping with me that she pretty much said, no, you're moving in. I was like, okay. And so now <laughs> nice two story home with her and, and, and her uh-huh. and, and life has been very good since, since that. It That's was great to hear. Really cool way, the way things worked out. And now I have even more money to film with because we share the bills. So it was yeah. just like one of those happy things that that happened. And I'm in a very good place right now. Um, but so those are extreme examples uh, of what I had to do, whether personal sacrifice or some type of batshit craziness, somebody might think it, it could, it doesn't have to even be personal sacrifice. It could be running all over town like a madman because, you know, you, you got to be on set in like half an hour, but you don't have X. Mm-hmm. So. 
I don't have any examples that are nearly as extreme as that. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people and do. I, but... <laughs> you know, I I consider myself kind of privileged in how my um, filmmaking career has kind of um, advanced because I've just been super fortunate to meet other filmmakers that are just as passionate as I am and that are willing to put in the money and the time and the hard work to, to, to make the thing. Um, I will say that, you know, whenever Andrew and I were first starting out, um, I had just graduated college, um, pretty much lived with like 20 to like a hundred bucks to my name, like for maybe two years after graduating college, like was always like running the, um, running the risk of overdrafting my bank account. Um, he, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I should disclose that he, I, <laughs> I, I don't think he'll care. Andrew, um, you know, took out money from his 401k to fund our first feature film, Blind Circumstance, which, you know, probably a bad idea in retrospect, but that's what we thought we had to do. Um, um at the time we Isn't thought that, that was the avenue the, the, the lengths you'll go to make something creative like you don't have to make this right? no I mean, yeah this exactly. isn't a priority and you're like right i'm using some of my retirement <laughs> and so you know andrew took the money out of the 401k i still pretty much like i was lucky enough that i lived at my my dad's house and that i had a roof over my head but you know i did not make any money whatsoever for um you know, the two years that we made Blind Circumstance and Binge. And it wasn't until um, my wife now, who was my girlfriend at the time, said, because we were, we had a long distance relationship. Um, she lived um, where I live now in, in the Philadelphia area, but I lived in like rural Pennsylvania where it's all just like I, trees and cows and cornfields did you have and any amish around we, you because I mean, i've been no no amish where we are oh, no unfortunately they make the best so, pastries but but go on <laughs> so it wasn't until um so so we we did the long distance thing so the our hometowns are three to three and a half hours apart from each other and it wasn't until like doing this for like two years like driving back and forth especially for her because we were making these films um every weekend where she was like uh you know you either need to move out here and get a job or we're just gonna have to break up because i we can't like keep doing this anymore and um you know i long story short i moved out here got a job um, and she's, you know, still super supportive and everything, but it was just something that she couldn't financially do anymore. Um, and, you know, we're married now and happily married. And um, I worked for, I want to say, seven years at the same company and used my free time and would set aside money to help fund the short films over the years. And I slowly just got to a point where more and more people were seeing the projects that I was working on and helping um, create and more and more people liked my work and I kept getting more work out of that. And I'm now to a point where I can do filmmaking full-time, uh, you know, as my full-time living. That is so cool, dude. 
That's <laughs> so cool. It, I yeah. I know it's pretty surreal. You know, looking back on where you know I first started. You know, self-taught. with Andrew, you're self-taught, yep. and you've come this far. This is your job now. Yep, <laughs> it, I I'm incredibly <laughs> blessed that I can say that because I know that there are, um, you know, not many people in the same boat, and that there are people really struggling and super passionate about getting their um, projects made. And to those people, I just say like, you know, don't give up because like, if you're passionate about the thing, you will get it made. It just might not be right away. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Very good advice. So our last question is going mm-hmm. to be, and I, you may have already said it, but but we'll come back to it. If not, what do you think your best day has been as a filmmaker? Hmm. Best day in terms of like on set or? It could be uh, on set. It could be the rewards of your labors. Anything that would be in the genre of this world you have created for yourself. So I'll answer that kind of um, two ways. Like I said before, um, with the stocked um, screening at the Mutant Fest at the Mahoning, that was probably the most surreal moment of my filmmaking career at the moment. Because like just seeing the atmosphere of this event for low budget independent filmmakers was incredibly surreal and to have all those cars honking and flashing their lights and meeting joe bob and darcy up on that stage and getting to talk to a thousand people about my little short film was super surreal um and also we last weekend we had just attended the smod castle film festival which was Kevin Smith's first film festival, inaugural film festival. So I didn't personally get a chance to meet Kevin, but I was in the same room as Kevin Smith, you know, a a filmmaker that Andrew and I have looked up to since we were eight years old. So just, just being in the same room as somebody that you grew up kind of aspiring to be was, you know, also an incredibly surreal experience. But What's that? Go ahead. So what a trip, dude. I know. And, you know, we got to sit in a panel with him um, and hear kind of like about independent film distribution and also to hear some stories about clerks that I had never heard before. Um, Amazing. Super amazing. Just kind of love hearing him talk because of like, I, as my like filmmaking, um, career has kind of grown i wouldn't say that i'm as huge of a kevin smith fan as i was like whenever i was a kid and a teenager but he's always going to be that same guy that inspired me to be a filmmaker you know absolutely yeah no especially like he was kind of the same boat with us if if i understood correctly i mean he went to film school well i didn't go to film school but he went to film school and was there and was like ah screw it and then just like left and made just Yep. He funded the thing, self-funded the thing, put it all in credit cards, um, had the same kind of like trials and tribulations that we all do, right. had the same doubts. And, you know, he just, you know, he did the thing and, you know, he's super thankful and blessed to be where he's at now. And you can, um, 
you can tell that just by how he speaks and interacts with people. Yeah, he invested in himself. He believed in himself, and and he made it happen, dude. Mm-hmm. And I think you're you're but, pretty much doing the same thing with you're already working in the film business full time, and thank your, you. Your yeah. projects are just getting better and better looking and sound. I mean, it was just pro stuff. I, I've already gushed about it a lot. <laughs> I appreciate so we, that. I, I think sooner or later you're something good is going to happen to you i think and it's it's just the work that you and your your partner have put forth and mm-hmm. people, are, people Thank are you. seeing this dude the other part of the question or the other part of the answer that i was going to give was um my best day on set and this isn't best in any specific day it's just the best it's just okay. being on set in collaborating and creating magic with your friends because that's essentially what you're doing whenever you make a movie is you're creating magic because you're making something that wasn't there and just like collaborating and feeling that energy in the moment is my best day on set i'm totally with you on that you know i've I've made some of my best friends and just by hanging out making just stupid crazy stuff yeah yeah and And it's fun you know i we weren't friends before you know we started making movies but you know we've grown into like really great friendships through the uh through the act of making movies yeah and you know i'll cherish that forever yeah yeah, a lot of people ask me, why do you keep throwing money at this? I mean, you're you know, you're you're always throwing a lot of money at filmmaking and and it's really because of that. You know, what else am I gonna yeah. do? What am I gonna sit on my couch and watch TV? <laughs> what exactly? What, what else are we fun, gonna do? Man. Yeah, we and can't do anything else. Huh? We can't do anything else. We're filmmakers. That's the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> I don't have all this thousands of dollars worth of equipment for nothing. I just, <laughs> I'm actually talking to you on a piece of equipment I just bought uh, 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 last week. Uh, I bought a Apple MacBook 13 something with an M2 processor. Okay, you got the M2. On. Uh, I need to upgrade my Mac stuff, unfortunately. This is my um, first Mac. I had okay. a, a few years back when I was making my first feature film. To me at the time, it was a lot of money. And I bought just the tower alone was like $900. And mm-hmm. it was a uh, a Dell Isperon something something with a graphics card, you know, an additional graphics card to it. And at the time, I thought, whoa, this is really great. And then, you know, a year of updates go by with Adobe or or whatnot, and you're mm-hmm. like, huh, I need to upgrade this. So I went out and I, yeah. I forget it, and I bought 32 gigs of RAM, and I stuck that sucker in there. I mean, I haven't even come close to it was overkill, uh, uh-huh. but it really really helped, and. Um, there was a few different reasons for that. I would go anyways, I'm not going to get into it, but it's now <laughs> at the point where I am sitting at the computer rendering an easy, like blood spatter on uh-huh. a piece of footage. And it is like one minute of footage equals like one to two hours of, of work. And, yeah. That's pretty and, rough. Yeah. And I just, you know, so I just said, I forget it. You know, I ended up getting hit by a, a somebody hit and hit and ran my my car. Uh, oh no! Two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Oh yeah, already hear that? Yeah, it sucked. And they totaled the car, and my insurance said, "Look, you know, we're not fixing this thing." And and so here's money. I was like, "Okay, I like money." And so I went out and I, I bought 
I bought basically the car of my dreams. I bought a, a, a 2017 Chevy Volt. You know, it's a used car, but dude, it's freaking cool. And then uh -huh. with some of the money, I bought this laptop. So I invested in myself. And um, uh, long story short, you know, I bought this to go play with my friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe one day I can make money and do this on not my own money to go play with my friends and entertain people. So, uh huh. Well, don't stop. No, I don't, don't plan stop on believing that. in yourself. You can't man. Um, it, it's, and it, that's it, another, it, that's another piece of advice I would give uh, to filmmakers is do not be afraid to invest in yourself, whether that's money or time. Yes. Yes. There's, there's even, even if you don't have a camera, you have a cell phone, there is actually uh, film festivals out there who are geared up for cell phone movies. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's, there's no excuse not to make a film. There really isn't. If, if you and have a recording device. To piggyback off that, um, uh, we had watched a feature at Kevin Smith's film festival, uh, a feature film that was entirely shot on a cell phone. There you go. There you go. I'm, I'm actually going to, uh, this this next feature I'm gearing up to film in January um, was a short that I had filmed a few a few months back that we decided to uh, expand on, and mm -hmm. and uh, it takes place at a bait shop my friend owns and and uh, okay. really cheap to film but it's fun you know people are coming into the yeah. bait shop he's trying to hide a body that that's basically what <laughs> okay makes I like that car, and she's not dead though. And he doesn't know what to do. Oh, okay. It, it's just kind of this batshit crazy thing. And, and um, yeah, that's a fun concept. It, it is a lot it's you fun. can do there. People come in are kind of based a little bit on some of the some of his actual customers because he gets some interesting folks in there. So we've taken mm -hmm. some of that and we've we've blended it together. And uh, uh, but we are filming all of this on the Apple 13. I've got a Apple okay. 13 Max. I, I, I think I'm saying the the cell phone correctly. Um. We're just doing it just because that's what we filmed the short on. And mm -hmm. uh, we really liked the way it looked. And so I actually upgraded my cell phone because it was time for an upgrade anyways. I said, screw it. I'm going to get mm -hmm. the best one I got at the time so we can make this film. Um, and we're going to try submitting that to some cell phone uh, 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 film festivals. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I tell you what, man. I Apple wish you the best of luck film. with it because, yeah, mm -hmm. they do. And um you know they're they're solid little cameras for a phone. It's impressive what a phone can do these days. It really is. Yeah. Their their focusing point you have to feather out a little bit. You know, there's a slider on there where you could have more. Uh, I always flub this word more bokeh or less. <laughs> I, I always forget. Like everybody pronounces it differently. So bokeh bokeh. Everybody pronounces it differently. <laughs> that, that word right there, and so. <laughs> Uh, but if you have too much, it looks very artificial. Like the, right, yep. it's almost as if uh, a green screen was behind him and nobody and like somebody yep. over feathered. Um, so it, it's a very artificial feel. You have to get it just right, and if you if you tweak it just right, you can get the fifty millimeter lens look. Um, yep. So there's some work you have to do with it, but man, that thing sure does take in a lot of light for such a small little lens. It's yeah, yeah, pictures. it really does. Yeah, and, and you you know you can record it in sixteen by nine if you want. Uh, there's a few other different formats, and it just I think they're making a very good product. 
So we're <laughs> going to experiment with that next month, and we'll see how that goes. Well, I hope it turns out well. Sounds like a fun little project. I'm really intrigued to hear and see where the uh, story goes. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you. Uh, I guess I can send you the short if you want to watch it. It's only like yeah, absolutely. Minutes, I think. Um, and we filmed that on a Apple SE, I think it was, and it's, it's okay. just. I don't even think it's 4K. I think it was just HD. But it's, see, I feel bad now because like you, you're gonna send me this nine minute short to watch. But then you want me to send this two-hour piece of trash <laughs> for you to watch? I do. I want to watch this. I do. I want to watch this. Oh. I've got stuff I could torture you with too. So, but, uh, <laughs> hey, Wes, I just feel bad wasting anybody's time with it because no, no, no. I, I see it as I see it as history, honestly. And uh, that's a good way to look at it. No, I I am uh, I'm a big book person, and I'm a big originator i like to look at people's original work like for instance uh some point this week i signed up to uh, uh i think it's called trauma now and okay. um uh, lloyd cuffman in college mm -hmm. had made a, a a black and white film and the adr all of that did not line up it was it, it's been said it's been like really bad right but i want to mm -hmm. see his first film and so I signed up, you know, here's my $5 or whatever it is a month. And it's all black and white. It's on there. And I want to check it out. It's like an hour and 30 something minutes. And okay. apparently it's a hard watch. Uh, but yeah. I want to see where the guy came from. And I'm yeah. not saying Lloyd puts out the best films in the world because that's not his genre. His genre right. is to entertain. And yep. and most of his films for it's me. For a very specific audience. For a very specific audience, yes. And there's a lot of films that I don't care about uh, that he has made. And it's not a personal reflection on him. It's just not my cup of tea. Right. Uh, but there is other films that he's made that I'm like, okay, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I just, so from that aspect, I like to see where people began. And okay. Yeah, I can see that. Today. And, and, well, and so for your film, I would very much like to watch it. <laughs> I, I am flattered and I apologize in advance. <laughs> when people watch my first film, I'm like, do you smoke weed? Because this is like a three bowl <laughs> film. I don't yeah. smoke weed, but but uh, I'm not if you want to, I don't care. But it, it, I used to smoke weed, but I don't smoke weed anymore. But I think that's probably obvious. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I always tell people, you know, this is going to be like a six pack film and maybe like two bowls of weed. And, and <laughs> I like yeah. that description. Then watch it. You're right, right. Oh, geez. Hey, Wes, it was very nice talking to you. And yeah, it was great talking to you too. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming. And and I I, I hope maybe in a year or two we could uh, meet up again and and see where this film life of yours has, has taken you. I think you're onto good things. Thank you. Hopefully, we can talk about uh, you know a feature as opposed to shorts because that's the way that's what I want to do. <laughs> I hope so, man. Somebody's going to pick this up. That that's too good of a short and too good of a story for someone not to. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right. With that, sir, uh, thank you for being on, and uh, I'll I'll talk to you on Twitter at some point soon. <laughs> awesome. Sounds great. All right, bud. Bye. See ya. This has been an episode of The Independent Filmmaker. If you are a filmmaker and would like to be on the show, drop us an email at tifilmmaker at gmail.com. That's all one word, 
tifilmmaker at gmail.com. There's new episodes every Monday.